0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode ninety-seven of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Uh, it's just me and Bill Sutton today. Bill, how's it going? Going well, Andy. I'm doing fine, thanks. It feels like it's been forever since we've it been has here. been
1: a while. Happy New Year!
0: Happy New Year! Happy January. Heck, almost Happy February.
1: We're almost there. Right. Yep, we're right dead in the middle of the month.
0: It's crazy. The first month, it, I, I did an IGEL podcast this morning, and it, it feels like the first month, January, is just like a like a it just flashes by every year. yeah
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Between uh between post holidays and even existing holiday uh in the middle of the month and then um sales kickoff type things. Uh, the Citrix one is going on right now while we're speaking. Um and just trying to get a you know just try to grab the try to grab 2022 by the cape and hang on. Exactly. Uh but we'll get there. Well I appreciate you jumping on and uh it's just you and I uh Ben Ben had a previous commitment. And we got a little bit of an interesting topic here to cover. I'm going to share my screen for those who watch the watch the video later. And we're actually doing a review of a blog by another Citrix partner, which you know that's it's tons of value and what other partners are doing. And I we I, I really just saw the topic and read through it briefly uh, a week or two or three ago, and said, yeah, let's let's cover that one. And then as you and I jumped on to talk a little deeper, and it turns out this is this is the uh, what I believe to be the former MTM guys who was a Zintegra-like EUC-focused partner from back in the day. It looks like they've been acquired by a company called ATSG out of New York. And uh, Stacy Lowe has r- written a blog entitled Three Priorities to Consider When Choosing Hybrid Work Technologies.
1: Um, I love the topic. Let's cover it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I love it too. This is uh, very timely.
0: So I think she starts us off by just kind of introducing why this matters, you know, work from home, pandemic, hybrid work. Um, but why do you think this is so timely that using your own words there?
1: Well, I think, you know, the pandemic has kind of make, made hybrid, hybrid work the, uh, the new normal for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, how that concept uh, sticks. I think it's going to stick around for for a long time, if not our lifetimes. Um, you know, some folks are, are bringing employees back into the workplace and and they're going begrudgingly and uh, folks have gotten used to working from home and having the flexibility. I mean, you know, to you and me, this is not all that new, but I think to a lot of traditional businesses uh, where, where the ability to work remote is, is, is able to be handled or able to be done that way, then I think we're going to see more and more of it go that way. So I've been,
0: um, because there's ice, there's, there's, we had snow over the weekend, there's ice here. I, I waited to go into the office today and it's, what is it? Uh, it's almost 11 o'clock now. Yeah. And, um, you yeah, know, I'm working from home and the biggest challenges I've had working from home today is not technology. I've got laptop, multi-monitor, keyboard, mouse. It's, um, you know, my family, my family is, uh, doing school remote today. My, my wife, uh, works from home. Um, you know, having to move the car or take out the trash has been my biggest challenges today. Not, not getting work done.
1: Yeah, that 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 can always be a challenge. It's a balance. Yeah, I, I need to go to the office just to
0: just to get away and get some work done. Not <laughs> not, not the tech's not the problem. But I, I do. I did hear your comment just now, and I'm interested philosophically to talk about that briefly. So, have we created a world where working remote is so doable that we can no longer expect people to go into the office? Uh, then what do we do about uh, measuring productivity? Are we just slowly getting siphoned are we siphoning the productivity away or have we enabled productivity what's what's your thoughts on that as somebody who's probably worked from home for a decade or more
1: yeah i it it's interesting i I really think you have to focus on outcomes um it's it's not about having someone in the workplace i mean i think they've proven that having someone in the workplace eight hours a day doesn't mean you get does not mean you get eight hours of productivity out of them um and I think the, the way you evaluate that as opposed to you know, time at the at the workplace is you focus on goals and outcomes and, and the timeliness of those outcomes. It's really more performance-based than it is time-based anymore. That doesn't apply to every inter- industry, but I think that's that's part of how we're going to measure it. Um, everything I'm reading uh, in the Wall Street Journal and CNBC and other business publications seems to indicate that that remote work and hybrid work, I think hybrid work is probably where we're going to end up, you know, a lot of employers in my area, in the Richmond, Virginia area are, are a couple of days in the office, three days at home or vice versa, something like that. Some sort of hybrid measure where they schedule time in the workplace. The interesting component of all of this is going to be what impact, if any, it has on, uh, on the real estate market and, and occupancy in large office buildings that were built 10 years ago, five years ago or less uh, with this shift in the paradigm of where we work, what impact is it going to have on on those industries?
0: So it's interesting you say that because I had you know two thoughts running my head. One is the um, one is the, uh, the the personal real estate market, uh, homes, and the yeah. need to have a bigger house with a dedicated office or two in it. You know, going back to my comments a while ago about you know, I have three or four people have come in the office this morning and needed to use this particular setup, and I'm camped out here, so that was a problem. Uh, and then the uh, the byproduct of all this, the, the commercial real estate market and what happens I mean, you're kind of hybrid. So do you need zero um, footprint or do you need a fraction of what you needed before? Do you need everything yeah. you needed before? It's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm really concerned that the commercial real estate market fallout that is around the corner is going to have a massive impact on on the economy here.
1: Yeah, I think that it has the potential for that. And I, I really is going to depend on how organizations define their policies regarding hybrid work or, or in office work. I know at a major company here in town that uh, scrapped building a second building because of uh, the remote concept that came about via the pandemic, they were already on the fence, but they've essentially scrapped building another, I don't know, five or 600,000 square foot office tower uh, Mm -hmm. simply because it doesn't make sense Uh, if they can do a two out two day a week on-prem three day a week remote or vice versa um some sort of hybrid work method, then they can save a significant sum on real estate and they're gonna yeah, sell yeah. the land. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And then what happens to our, you know, inner cities where people had started moving back to them to be close to work. Now work doesn't have to be there anymore. Is it is there enough appeal for this generation to, to go there anyway? So they can be near the restaurants and nightclubs and stuff? Or are they, you know, they're gonna come back out to the the suburbs again.
1: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. I don't have an answer for that, or even an opinion. Although I think that uh, you know, a lot of those folks are are used to the the kind of the um, the smaller work, the smaller living space. Um, a lot of those younger folks aren't really that interested in buying homes. They're more interested in being being more um, mobile, I guess. And uh, you know, the, the rise of the the work. The WeWorks and the in our in our in my community, the gathers the you know the co working spaces. I think we're going to see more and more of that probably.
0: Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, what happens to these executive shareable office spaces, which Mm -hmm. you know give you give you that uh, social piece you need, um, but don't require you to be there and and can be flexible, and you can have
1: an account that allows you to pop into any of those anywhere in the country, and you're working again. Exactly. Yeah, we've got one right around the corner. It just opened and I haven't explored it yet. But from what I hear, it's they're booming. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I bet. Okay. well, let's uh, let's bring this focus back to the tech side of it and things you need to be thinking about. And really, just to highlight again, it's a great article. Um, This says priority one. I guess we'll we'll talk through it as if it's the number one most important thing. And then maybe we'll come back and, and think through that in a minute. But number one, addressing connectivity and security issues. Head on. That seems like uh, two interesting things to bolt together. It makes sense as to why they're bolted together, Um, but um, the kind of two things. So, uh, what what are are they covering here with the uh, connectivity and security part of the conversation?
1: Well, I think it's just it comes down to different types of devices and how you get them connected to the environment, um, pairing them with uh, managed services, Um, and then of course having a uniform. security policy for both remote and in person workers. You don't wanna you don't want to have a different policy for in in-person versus remote. And, and if you design your infrastructure in a way that they both are experiencing or have the same experience through like a hosted DDI or something along those lines. Uh, then you make it more easy to support and manage. Um, obviously the the location of the user is going to be important to making sure they have sufficient connectivity, but security is key here where you've kind of you know, the the endpoint may matter, may not matter. Uh, I know that you, you and I have talked about what we're doing from an endpoint perspective, and other companies need to consider that as well with all of the technology that enables us to manage devices much more easily than we used to be able to. Maybe device management is not really talked about here, but the concept of managing the device and securing the device on the endpoint, um, I think, is going to be key in this.
0: So, so Bill, this is the uh, the VPN? portion of the conversation? Yeah, I think
1: I, I think to some degree, this is VPN. Um, it's got to be secure. Uh, they talk about in, in priority number two, and we'll get to that in a minute, the the concept of being able to scale um, that. And I think what we found during the pandemic was that a lot of companies were not in a position to scale their VPN sufficiently to support the user base. I know of a couple of, of examples of that, that where they sent everybody home reluctantly. Um, and when they got home, they found out, A, they didn't have enough capacity on their their VPN concentrators and B they didn't have the bandwidth to support all the incoming connections and had to scramble, you know, and when it, and when it comes to connectivity, you can't just necessarily turn that on on a dime. It can take some time to get that ramped up. So that's something to definitely be from a scalability perspective um, and a connectivity perspective. You've got to consider those things. Yeah.
0: And that was, that was kind of a joke on my part that, uh, that we've used VPN for that. However, you know, I don't know if you want to ballpark it, but I would say what I'm seeing through the pandemic is 60, 70% of people truly did just turn on VPNs and try to, you know, do what they were doing in the office, but remotely.
1: Yep. And I, you know, I think that that's exactly what happened. And I think that, uh, you know, that kind of addresses the connectivity problem, but it doesn't really help the security problem. um, Because I think we, over the years, we've seen that, Yeah, you can lock down vpns but it's a tough measure to do and a lot of folks don't do it right yeah
0: it's like uh putting a a nice door on the front of your house with locks on it but then leaving it wide open you kind of didn't really accomplish much
1: now or leaving the window open
0: yeah yeah nice locked front door but a, a window that's cracked so you can get in if you need to exactly yep um yeah so let's uh yeah we did a whole podcast on that let's move on to the next one which is scalable and cost effective you, know, you find a solution that uh, is better and more robust than VPN, um, but next thing you know, you're you've just created a whole other IT budget. Help us understand what we're covering here.
1: Yeah, I think what the author is trying to get out of here again is is the, the the scalable solutions like VPNs just really aren't just didn't work well in the in the pandemic and in the hybrid work scenario. Um, you're you're really should be focused on something not only that is scalable and cost effective. But they also mention in here the, the concept of making sure that everyone accesses the same system, has the same experience. And you and I, we've dealt with this before where we've had customers, we still do to some degree, where they have folks in the office that, that access the environment and their applications in one manner, and then folks in remote offices access them in a different manner. It creates a support issue um, because it's not a consistent method of access, a consistent way of working. Uh, and I think that's what they're getting out here, particularly as it relates to the cost-effectiveness of it, the ability to support it. If it's all the same solution, the same method, the same experience, then it's much easier to to um, support it as well as scale it up because you're scaling up a single system versus mul- multiple disparate systems. Mm-hmm. And and I
0: love the way you talked about it. You know, some people in one office versus some people in another office because of the remote hybrid world. At any point in time, we're all you know yeah. in ten different offices. Exactly. And then going back to the previous one, we talked about connectivity. I, you know, I it, especially when you're dealing with people that aren't technical by nature, helping them understand that, like in my household, you know, we got oh this computer. I've got a brand new laptop. It's six months old. It's got a it's got a Core i7, 16 or more gigs of memory. Uh, a 500 uh, gigabyte or higher SSD hard drive. And I walk in the office every once in a while and I'm told this computer sucks. I'm like, this computer does not suck. There's no way this computer sucks. What does suck at the moment is the network connectivity. Now I'll give you a quick, quick, funny story. Um, Quick, funny story. So I've got a, I've got a mesh network in my house and Mm -hmm. I keep one of the devices on this desk with a wired you know cat5 connection into this computer so that networking uh, Wi-Fi is not an issue. it just it's fast, it's connected, and I rely on the mesh network device to, to to get us in and out of the now right. the network from here. Well, my son came home from college and he took uh, one of the mesh network devices, the one that sits on this desk, and he put it up in his room for gaming purposes. Well, all of a sudden I'm using air quotes here, the computer sucked again, and I'm like, what in the world happened? Uh, in fact, my 12 year old's showing me a note at the door right now. Uh, uh, I, I can't see that. Uh, it's funny, just bring it in. Um, I've got on my reading glasses, so I can't see the note at the door. Nonetheless, the connectivity, do you want to be a yes, they asked me if I wanted lunch. That's great. Um, so anyway, uh, connectivity, right? Connectivity and speed of connectivity and people understanding that, uh, you know, remote sessions over a, uh, 200 milliseconds of latency versus 80 or 20, right? It, it game changer. Uh, when you're in the office, you know, it was gig at the desktop. You didn't know that bandwidth was even the thing because it just happened.
1: Yeah. And if, you know, I think you bring, bring up a good point there, kind of going back to priority one, the concept of addressing connectivity. When you're talking about hybrid work, what if you've got folks that live in a rural part of the country or a rural part of the county mm-hmm. where they're going to they're lucky to get a three meg DSL connection going back to the 90s? Um, much less a fiber gig connection, you know, that folks that are closer to the city are getting. And that's a consideration when you talk about hybrid work, those folks probably need to come into the office more. We need to come up with other methods of connectivity to address that. Um, And then you've got, obviously, I know like our PM that lives in Michigan, um, his kids are home and having to do virtual school while him and his spouse are both working from home. And then you've got maybe a grandmother that's streaming a movie on Netflix Put all that together on a on a modest wireless network, and you've got an issue potentially. Yeah, and then
0: going back to priority two, cost of yep. you know you live near one of our salespeople. You live more, you live closer into uh, civilization than he does, right. um, and he told me the other day he was paying for the most expensive, best uh, connectivity he had out there. And it was still, you know, fairly nothing compared to what you have sitting here on a fiber network that's right outside my window. Uh, But it costs more. His his costs more to have less. So I guess down to to priority two, you know, how do you how do you find something that's cost effective and scalable and gets the job done? And we're just not quite in a world where it's equal for
1: everybody. Yeah, that's why I don't think that's why it's got to be hybrid. Um, and some folks are going to have to make hard choices. I I just can't work from home, maybe. Maybe they've got to go into the office, or maybe one day they can work from home. They could do off-network work or do a basic, you know, basic work where the bandwidth required is minimal. Um, You know, there are ways to overcome some of this. You know, there's some new technologies coming out. There's initiatives um, from the government to get broadband pushed out into rural areas. You know, that could take a decade, but, um, you know, there are initiatives to try to shore this up but it's going to take time and money
0: yeah time time and money right you can solve all things through time and money right um yeah i well and you you hybrid work you know better technology smarter technology even you know even if you stop and think about where we're at today with say uh citrix um uh, UDP uh, EDT, um, right. you know, HDX protocol scenario where it's thinner, it's smarter. It doesn't have to show you every picture on the screen. It wants you to show you what's changing and focusing on there using UDP versus TCP. Um, we, we've come a long way. Luckily the pandemic happened now and not uh, 10 years ago when we were yeah. threatening, it could have happened. Uh, the technology is so much better both from a work and personal perspective, the ability to have 10 apps on your TV that can allow you to watch content all the time is, is, right. is awesome. At the same time, that might be the reason why your, your spouse in the other room can't get their job done. Exactly,
1: yeah.
0: All right, uh, third priority, and I think the, the, the number three of three here is provide a positive user experience. Oh my, that's like the hardest one.
1: Oh yeah. And when
0: I say it's the hardest one, Bill, think for a minute. Listeners, think for a minute. Think about your favorite restaurant, The, the your current favorite restaurant. So Bill, you, you can say it out loud or, or not, but your your current favorite restaurant, you got one?
1: Yeah, it's probably bookbinders down in the down in uh, down in the Cary Street area, the bottom, okay. what we call it, in downtown Richmond.
0: How many times you been there?
1: Oh Lord, um, oh, probably a half a dozen at least, maybe ten okay. in the past Let's couple of years. Past, past maybe forty years.
0: Let's say you've been there ten times, and every time it's been a good experience.
1: Ninety five percent of the time, yes.
0: Okay. So what happens if you go next week and you just happen to get that one waiter, waitress, in a bad mood, and all of a sudden it's a bad experience, does your thought
1: on that restaurant change, at least in the short, mid, or long term? It might change in the short term, but when you look at the totality, I'd probably at least give them another chance or two.
0: Yeah. Yeah what I'm getting at there is it only takes one negative experience to ruin
1: a whole bunch of positive experiences. It does. It, it would largely depend on how negative it's all, you know, it's all levels of, of uh, shades, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, I get your point. You're right. It doesn't take much for people sour and it kind of goes back to the old days the old days where we still have executives that come to us and say, "Well, I had Citrix twenty years ago. There's no way I'm putting Citrix in my That's environment right. today." Right. Um, yeah, they, well, it's a whole lot different now than it was twenty years ago, as we know. Well,
0: and and the supporting things around it, their network is hundred times, if not a, if if not more, better than right. it was then. More reliable, faster.
1: Right.
0: Uh, you know, that guy who was standing up Citrix for the first time has now done it thirty times, right. and right. he right. he gets it better. The protocols smarter. All all these different reasons why yeah. they shouldn't yeah. be blaming. Citrix, the company, the technology—when it could have been lots of other things that exactly. caused it. Anyway, so positive user experience is what we're talking about here. In this this third priority. Um, yeah, man. You—if you got the answer to that one, lay it
1: down. I'd like to hear it. Well, the interesting thing here is if you read this article, the first part of this—I'm I'm sorry, this section—the first part of it talks about the importance of team unity and health. And this is one of those things where you start where we've got hybrid work or remote work where. We need we need to meet. We are we are a, we are a um, social people. Most of us, mm-hmm. um, we want to want to be around our coworkers. There's some benefit to being around the coworkers. The 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 office chatter, the the water cooler quote unquote talk, uh, standing by the copier in the old days. Um, those sorts of things had benefits because people would often uh, collaborate that way. And so now we need to structure an environment that creates. Positive experiences in a similar way, where they're not in person. Um, I think last week, when we were in Nashville, it demonstrated the benefit of being connected, as you and I talked about before we got on this. And I think that's a big part of of the positive user experience as a considering the totality. Um, we need to the technology needs to enable that to the extent possible. It's not going to be the okay. same, but okay. it needs to enable it. And then obviously, other positive user experiences are things like single sign-on um, you know, performant, a performant solution, um, things of that nature, of course.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's talk through both of those. So you're a great example. And you weren't the only one that you know, I called and said, Hey, how you feeling after the trip? Oh, I'm a little sick, but not in the world. And I was like, Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry that happened. You're like, Oh, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. I'm like, Oh, no. okay. Some people came home sick, but they were so happy that we did it. And they got that human element at least uh, for this month and, you know, we'll try to do more stuff. But, uh, you know, we've all been sheltered way too long and people we are ready to get
1: out. Yeah, we have too much bourbon didn't help either, but you know that that is what it <sighs> is. So there,
0: there were some happy people at moments last
1: week. <laughs> also also
0: some hungover people the next morning. Yeah. I was like, are you sick or are you hungover or both? Yeah. Um okay, and then you And this article is going to go here in a few minutes. It's going to talk about virtualization specifically in parts of what I brought up a lot last week. It's it's going to talk about virtualization. It's going to talk about desktop as a service. To me, what we're really talking about is digital workspace experience, which we talked about last week. Yeah. being really what we're all trying to accomplish in a positive digital workspace. And then you brought up things that are covered here in the article, whether it's access to files, whether it's access to applications, whether it's uh, a single identity that can be used for single sign-on but has secure practices of multi-factor tied to it. Um, you know, How do you take all this, all these things that we have to incorporate into a true digital workspace experience and make it secure and make it easy and make it better all at the same time? that's
1: that's the nirvana right that is the nirvana and since this is a citrix podcast Citrix can enable this when it's done right and to get it done right you call integra um because we can do it right uh we can make it perform well we can we can enable multi-factor we can enable single sign-on but those are the things obviously that the solution just needs to flat out work Uh, i mean I, i mean that's no that sounds simple but It just needs to be able to work and work well for the the end user and and create that positive user experience. They shouldn't have to authenticate three or four times. They shouldn't have multiple ways to access applications. They shouldn't have to create their own username and password to every SaaS app. Uh, All of those things need to be rolled into a single identity, um, a single access point or workspace where they can get to all of their work from one location and it performs well and it just flat works. And at the end of the day, that's that's gonna create a big part of that positive user experience. And they're gonna be able to get their work done and circling back to, to the first topic, that's going to enable hybrid work to demonstrate the kind of efficiencies and, and um, outcomes that business owners want.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll take this into one of my favorite topics, which, okay, so I'll use my experience just having my kids, awesome, they brought me a sandwich. Great, I didn't expect that, That's that's a great experience. Uh, they didn't bring the <laughs> napkin they, they didn't bring the napkin and and you know i have this moment of euphoria hey that was great and then now i got to call them back and ask for a napkin what they didn't do which i need to you know try to train myself and my employees and my company and my my family to do is as they hand, hey what else like communication right communication right. is the key to that yeah. and i think a big part of this poor uh user experience or provide a good user experience conversation is constantly be asking What's yeah. working, what's not working. And it's a hard thing for people in IT to do because the more you ask, the more work you're gonna get. It's like, you know, walking up and saying, hey, do you, you know, what, what do you need for your meal? What are what are you missing? Are you, you want coffee? Do you need extra utensils? And, and if the answer is yes to any of that, it just means more work for you. And it doesn't change how much you get paid. It doesn't, doesn't change your tip, maybe, maybe it does. Um, but it's that constant communication and, and always trying to figure out, okay, what's missing and how do we? in all three of these things, how do we, how do we fill in the gaps? Yeah.
1: Basically? We need to create that feedback loop and we need to nurture it and make sure that it's working and that everybody's comfortable feeding back and accepting the feedback and acting on it. Um, yeah. it uh, That's important both, you know, in terms of what you were just mentioning um, as well as, you know, as an overall business. And we're taking initiatives, as you know, as Integra um, to get feedback from customers through surveys, through the, the CSA program or the, um, customer success program, etc. So all of those things kind of come together to try to get that kind of feedback that we need from from our customers. But internal feedback is is critical in an organization that's delivering applications and desktops and content this way. They need to understand from the user how's it doing, how's how are we doing, what do we need, what do we, where do we need to improve. A lot of I think studies have shown that users will will click on that that log on button four times or three times before they'll call the help desk. Uh, well, I need to know they're clicking on that button three times, and if I can get that from a survey or if I can get that from metrics, then we can help fix that and change that perception. Right.
0: Survey, metrics, analytics, analytics, uh, or, exactly. Or just, or just talking to people and, and listening, right? Listening yes. to see, yeah, listen to see what's working. Okay, so that's what what we, we
1: do. I think that's what we're doing less and less of, and I think we need to circle back to that. To be honest,
0: well, how you you gonna you gonna listen to Bob tell you what's going on at the water cooler when you and Bob never show up at the water cooler anymore together? That's true
1: again
0: yeah, yeah. you got to force it to happen that's and, right and it's, it's like i tell my uh, my kids now's the time not to be an introvert now's the time to be more of an extrovert because the people that uh, are going to use what's going on as a reason to be more introverted those are the people that you can now you know beat to the punch going forward and, and outperform or or out at least appear to perform just because you're putting yourself out there
1: right
0: so um next section of the blog the title of it says why your company should adopt virtualization i'm going to get on my soapbox real quick and change that to say why your company should adopt a digital workspace um, and virtualization uh, in this case probably desktop virtualization or end user uh, compute virtualization is a big part of that uh just kind of walk through the bullets here the first one says accessibility from anywhere i think we've kind of covered that
1: yep yep definitely interestingly enough i read an article um yesterday or the day before i've been kind of sequestered in my office for the past few days so i read a lot and thus and the article was about a a guy from new jersey that moved to tulsa because oklahoma was offering an incentive for people to come to tulsa and he could work from anywhere so he, he got the incentive and moved there for a year and saved a whole boatload of money and now he's moved, bought an RV, is going to go drive around the country. And I don't know that that's something I would personally do. But the point is, he can access from anywhere. People can do their jobs from anywhere.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's another topic. I, I love that people are now empowered to go live and work anywhere. But at some point, does it come back around to bite you where you're living in the middle of nowhere and you're getting some state benefit for doing so? But uh, now all of a sudden, you're limited to one job and that's it. Uh, I think right now, the world's your oyster butts. Yep. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's enough pearls
1: in there to satisfy us all. There may not be. You're right.
0: Uh, next one, uh, which is really interesting. And I've had people quantify in both directions for me is increased business because you're able to work more, you're able to cover more, uh, or you are able to hide more? Which one is it?
1: Or is it both? Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I think this is about uh, follow the sun model, you know, but having, folks on the West Coast, the East Coast, uh, overseas, uh, the ability to have people working around the clock. I mean, this is not really anything necessarily new, but I think that the digital workspace concept makes it easier and enables it better. And we do have customers doing this that have developers in foreign countries that are working in the middle of the night using VDI back to the mothership. Um, so yeah, I can see where this would this this could have a benefit, but uh, I think it's really focused on follow the sun type thing. Right. Uh,
0: the next one says improved security. I think that's very possible and even probable, um,
1: but potentially could have the opposite impact. Absolutely. Um, this is, uh, yeah, this is virtualization obviously does enable this, um, particularly when you compare it to something like a, a VPN, um, giving really solid workspaces to the users and, and doing that multifactor with a single identity. Helps keep things safe um, in theory uh, and uh, simple access.
0: Well, let's let's take that specific one you gave. So I've got a VPN in place. I've got uh, some network detection things going on to see what's happening inside that VPN. And then all of a sudden, I give somebody access to a um, to a desktop or application over some remote presentation protocol, and the VPN or the analytics associated with the network can't see that. I just I just went right around the locked front door and went in the back door. Uh, and, and maybe if the security team's not careful, they don't even, they don't even know to be looking for that. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, less reliance on internal IT. I think this is, uh, really talking more about as a service type of offerings, whether it's a virtual desktop as a service or some other SAS application as a service. Uh, all of a sudden you, you, you are accessing a world that's built to be accessed from anywhere, including the office. Uh, and IT, you know, plays less of a role of keeping it up every day. They just make sure they provide you the access.
1: Yep. Yeah, this, yeah, uh, you know, this kind of also plays into the concept of managed services. As we've we've seen, a lot of IT teams are very lean, and having a managed service environment in in place uh, uh, can help ensure that it's that you don't have to worry about it as much, um, and it's always on, or at least uh, it has a very high degree of reliability yeah. and
0: Somebody else's problem, right? It's it's they're they're managing it for the masses and they've got it up and running for that larger group of people. So you assume there's more urgency to keep, get it up and keep it up, and then you're not right. relying on your IT team as much to to be the sole point of contact for that. Exactly. Sole point of responsibility. Uh cost effective. This one's interesting, right? Because you got all this costs money to get up and implemented, but in theory, you're moving from CapEx models to opex models. And, you know, maybe less reliance on the IT, the previous one, and all of a sudden you've got less headcount to keep up. And, um, you know, in in theory, it should all be getting
1: better, more secure and more cost effective at the same time. Yeah, I would agree. Um, And obviously cloud based, more consumption oriented um, helps keep the cost down, at least over the long haul.
0: Or does it turn into the world I live in now where I used to pay for a cable provider? I, I got rid of those guys uh, for my TV and now I've got 10 different applications I'm paying and I don't realize
1: I'm paying more. Yeah, I was at a party back before Christmas and we were lamenting the fact that we have all these various streaming providers and there was a guy at the party who said, I wish somebody would just develop a, a, a packaged offering that provided all of this content. And I said, yeah, it's called cable TV. I mean, that's what we had. Um, and it seems like we're going full circle. And and it's we're seeing a similar thing in other areas of business, including technology. And that is everything is as a service. And over time, you got to be careful about that and because you can end up with things you're not using that you're still paying for and you don't even know it. Yeah, for
0: sure. And and now you're locked into some subscription thing or maybe not locked in, but you want that one piece of content that you can only get through that one provider. Right. And you'll keep paying the $10, $15 a month just for that one thing that you can't give up. Exactly, and think about it from the cable. It used to be they have to come out and turn off your cable, like they do other utilities. Now the uh, um, app that you're accessing just turns you off. You just right. You, you try to access it, and it says, "I'll let you access for another day, but after that, you got to pay." And then it it really efficient makes efficiencies on their side more reality.
1: Yeah, the the one that really gets me is the uh, the um, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo stuff. Those things hit. You, you forget about them. And they hit you all of a sudden, I, I see this, you know, $20 charge show up on my credit card bill for Nintendo. And I'm like, what is this? Well, you agreed to this a year ago when my daughter wanted to play a game. I said, oh, what's 20 bucks I'll sign up for? it. didn't realize I was signing up for a subscription. That's right. You know? Auto auto enrollment. That's right.
0: Auto re-enrollment. Um, yeah, it happened to me over the, over the holidays. I think I've been paying for some type of Xbox pass for 10 years now. Didn't even realize it until my son <laughs> went to use some gift cards he had. Right. Uh, okay, um, this last one, this not last one, almost last one, um, talks about desktop as a service. I keep harping on digital workspace. Uh, desktop uh, is has been the digital workspace of, of choice since the early 90s. Um, that's just part of the digital workspace experience. I
1: agree. Um,
0: and for some people, uh, even at Integra, I'd say half the company, when I ask them about their digital workspace, they really just talk about their VDI. And that's what they focus on: their desktop as a service provided by the company, not that login screen that has, you know, 50 different apps they could just launch without going to the desktop. So a big part of the experience still and going forward will be encompassing inside that uh, Windows desktop the user experience of uh, desire.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's going to be the way it is for a while. Um, You know, the the digital workspace is is critical to being able to get access to SaaS-based applications, but a lot of folks don't don't see that or don't understand it yet and it's our job to make them help them understand it right
0: and help to make them so i so it's our job right to listen to what they what their needs are right uh and if and if the right answer is okay here's a a login that gets you to an icon where you click or auto launch a virtual desktop session and that's you know what your current needs are for digital then that's
1: it and yeah, we're done. we need to evaluate this, the, and we need to evaluate their needs and help them understand how, if, if and how a digital workspace a solution can address those needs, or whether they need a desktop or something else.
0: Right. And for or, most customers, we've be been talking it. to for a decade, that desktop would have been the answer. They just never got around to getting it done because the need wasn't there the way it is today, or or they had right. some kind of hurdle that they weren't able to overcome. And that's where, that's where us and the vendors we work with can help. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think Bill, I think we've covered it. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe next week we'll get back to maybe a deeper dive technical conversation. But this is one that needs to come up every so often because yep. people understanding this this can make sense from a connectivity security perspective, from a scalable, cost-effective perspective, and from happy end users, uh, while you know, still making sure that we check all the necessary boxes to run a business, those days are here. Like this is not 20 years ago when we you know, we we dreamed for these days. They're here now, and there's lots of reasons why people and companies need to be thinking this
1: way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, Bill, great uh, great to be back and doing this. Hopefully, we'll have yeah. Ben and others back next week. And uh, I so. appreciate you joining for another session of the, the Citrix session.
1: Of course, Andy, anytime. All right, sir. Thank you. Mm-hmm.